about the weather very briefly. For anyone who is otherwise unaware, I live in southwestern Montana, which is one of the more temperate parts of the state, and I'm looking at the weather report right now, and it says it is uh, negative 8 Fahrenheit outside, feels like negative 12. That is the warmest it has been all day. Ice is developing on the inside of my windows, which in a newer building freaks me out because I'm like, ah, either it's just that terrifyingly cold or this building is shit. And last night I noticed that uh, part of my pillow, or at least my pillowcase, had frozen stuck to my window in the night. So that's where I live. And none of this is, like, new or horrifying or anything. It's just been a while. We've had nothing but a dry, terrifying, um, end-of-the-world climate kind of winter with no snow at all. And I guess now we're just going to completely freeze over, so... How how are things in in Los Angeles? How's your Los Angeles winter? Uh, lovely. I think it's. Uh, let's check the weather, shall we? Let's see what temperature it is outside right now. It is sixty three degrees. Jesus lovely. Christ! God, come I sh- back to us, Nick. I I asked out of like I don't know some cozy <laughs> politeness or something, and then I got the answer, and I'm so fucking mad now. <laughs> I just I I had. I started my car earlier, and I didn't know if it was going to. Is this like, please don't make me? <laughs> but we got there. Uh, all right. Now, you know, now I feel zazzed up. Now that we're talking about this dumb garbage, I guess we can reveal that this is actually a podcast about the television series, The Big Bang Theory. Hi, this is The Big Bang Theory Theory. I'm Nick. And I'm Kyle. And sometimes we talk about this television show, which, uh, you know, today was the season seven finale, which, you know, saying that now feels silly because it did not in any, well, I don't know. I guess it kind of, I didn't feel like it felt like a finale episode, you know? I don't know. How how do you feel? What's your initial just gut feeling on this? Uh, I think it's a finale episode uh, in as much as any of them ever are, because I don't know if you've noticed, but they tend to, like leave on a cliffhanger like not a serious cliffhanger but they almost always leave with someone coming or like leaving town and i think the reason they do that is so that they can like just it's weird because the only reason i can think they do that is they want to justify the narrative time skip Mm -hmm. between the end of the previous season and the beginning of the next season but that implies that anybody watching the show cares about like how many years have elapsed in universe or how like whether there's like a one-to-one correspondence of time in the show versus like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, no, I absolutely do. And what I've decided based on this is that if I ever write any sort of series that goes multiple seasons, I will by default, every season show that time has passed by giving everyone, regardless of gender, shaggy beards, that they can then choose to style how their character would throughout the season. But yeah, that's what I wouldn't set up all of this this artifice to, to try to explain why there's a gap and why things have reset slightly differently. Yes, and then sometimes they don't like... One season ended with Wallowitz going into space, but then the next season didn't begin immediately with him coming back to Earth. Like for several of the beginning episodes of the next season, he was still in space, which made no sense. Yeah, I don't know. That should have been a whole space uh, season. Though, the way he was getting bullied, like, 
he would have come back broken. You know, he came back embarrassed, but he would he would come back and just be like, yeah, I'm a fucking astronaut, all right. I had a really great time in space, and I want to go back there because that's the silence that I need now to function. Um, that's a, That's a different series. But yeah, so I guess we should actually, you know, briefly describe what the hell this episode is. But we are at the very end of Season 7, Episode 24 specifically, titled The Status Quo Combustion, which is, you know, uh, applicable enough, I suppose. And our fan wiki summary today reads, Howard and Bernadette can't keep a caregiver, caregiver, caregiver for the incapacitated Mrs. Wallowitz, whose first name is Debbie. Uh, the comic book store suffers damage due to an accidental fire. Leonard and Penny announce their engagement and look for new living arrangements. All these changes really upset Sheldon as he decides to leave and take a train trip. You know, when I actually read that part, I realize how much more rife with incident this episode was than it felt as I was watching it. Yeah, Um, it's all about change, man, and how we react to change. Everything changing. Turn and face the strange ch-ch-changes. Oh, oh, God, what is that? This is where... Oh, Kyle, I, I, I love the, the inspiration. I wasn't ready for it. I feel tickled and shivered. Uh, but yeah, it's... I want to jump straight to the middle of the episode because there was one scene that stood out to me among all of these little plots where, you know, here again in the summary says, the comic book store suffers damage due to an accidental fire. Notice how uh, Stuart is not named in that sentence. There's no reason for that other than the callousness of this world not acknowledging his suffering and instead the comic shop being destroyed is incidental to the other people uh who have lives here Uh, also i'm with the people in the uh episode i think accidental should at least be in quotes that's true so there is a joke and is it ambiguous who knows but so yeah the the comic book shop it doesn't burnt down but the it gets all burnt up inside everything is just completely torched if anything it looks more realistic i think than like i was expecting because it does look like what you would expect if a fire was arrested before the structure collapsed but yeah exactly the inside had been pretty torched it is effectively destroyed everything in spite of yeah apparently who knows like lack of structural damage or whatever it's still the comic book shop but it's it's gets done and the accident was something about what he knocked over a hot plate and it caught a blanket on fire or something like that he doesn't even say that he just says the hot plate caught fire while he was across the street uh taking a shower in this car wash and yeah and so the which is a funny joke by itself of just like how destitute he is yeah well and that's uh, to to cut to the end here this scene I thought was genuinely sad. It was like, it stood out to me among, like, I think not just other scenes in this episode, but like in the series really that like, yes, it was, they're joking and they're goofing. But so the, the way Sheldon treats Stuart um, is just like, he's not named in that sentence where Stuart describes everything that happened to Sheldon and is like, Oh my God. Like, my life is completely ruined. And Sheldon, the reason he's here is because everything around him is changing. And this is the one place he would go for comfort. And instead he's like, Stuart, I'm disappointed. Like, this is the last thing I need on this day. And, you know, Stuart pours his guts out about all this. 
And Sheldon's reaction to it is basically like, you know, other people have problems too, Stuart. Like, how could you be so selfish? And storms off, leaving Stuart just there in his hollowed out comic shop alone. And I was like, this is genuinely sad, Um, at least from Stuart's perspective. But maybe I'm not supposed to empathize with him as much as I did. Uh Uh-oh. But yeah, the the joke, though, is at one point Sheldon says, you know, um, pardon me for asking, but you didn't just do this for the insurance money, did you? And Stuart's response is, oh, hey, you sound just like the policemen, the firefighters, the insurance company the cleanup guys blah 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 like how how dare you and so i don't know how let's see what's your read on stewart here i feel like he's being genuine i believe in stewart i would say 80 20 he's probably being genuine but also uh the fact that the place burned down while he was not in the building does strike me as a lucky coincidence and the fact that uh you know, obviously the store is kind of a millstone around his neck, but it is true. It is. It seems to be the weirdest thing about the whole show is that he really does seem to operate the comic book store from a place of loving it, despite the fact that we're never. Hey, why don't they just make a Stuart spinoff? The more I'm talking about this, the more I realize I care a lot more about Stuart's motivations and owning the comic book shop than about like any yeah. of the other characters. And so, like, I want to know why he cares so much about it or where he finds the... And I want to know what his other regulars who aren't Sheldon and friends are. But anyway, I think he really loves the store, man. So I believe his heartbreak. But it does look suspicious from the outside. It certainly does. So, Stuart, watch your back. Because the insurers are going to not give you a single penny if uh, you don't stick to your guns, man. So... Also, to resolve Stuart's little subplot here, so he has this obvious terrible calamity, but one of our main plots that I've actually yet to get to is that uh, Bernadette and Wallowitz are still more or less staying at um, his mom's house now because they cannot get an in-home nurse to stay for more than a couple days. They all storm out because she's so horrible to work with. And there's really not much to this plot except for, like, Penny pre like briefly does it because Bernadette says she'll give her as much money as she wants, um, but even that is too much. She she lasts apparently not as long as Bernadette could ride a mechanical bull, which put unchrist like images in my mind. <laughs> and then um, what happens is with uh, Stewart's misfortunes, it's it's suggested, hey, like, does he need a job? Can he handle you know? routine humiliation and debasement and filth and he's he's just like yeah that's how i party like it's not even a question and so he he becomes the in-home nurse for wallowitz mom and i can't remember if this is the very last scene but at least right near the end he's all in his like nursing smock or whatever it is and he's happy to be doing his job and looks genuinely tickled and like the closing joke there is bernadette and wallowitz being like Oh man, like, there's something weird about this, right? Like, unnatural before bolting out the door. And I'm like, hey guys, like, get over it. You, all your problems are solved. Everyone's happy. Don't, don't second guess yeah. any of this. Who cares if Stuart is fucking Wallowitz's mom? Yeah, I mean, he very well could be. That's part of the service, okay? He's dedicated. Everyone's happy. Whether or not he's just slipping it in there and like i don't know going whole hog on her is just you know doesn't matter but 
now, God, this is disorderly way I'm doing all of this. We've got to get to the major, big, uh, ultimate uh, plot, which is um, it open. The episode opens with Penny and Leonard getting uh, engaged, like officially engaged, and they have a little party, and everyone comes over, and they initially celebrate before Raj is like, "Oh, and I had sex with Emily," and everyone goes, "Yay!" and they celebrate that instead because, uh, as I think Amy points out. Uh, those other two get engaged all the time, so it doesn't, it's not as monumental as, as Raj banging Emily. And, you know, this kind of keeps going with Raj a little bit, except, you know, he's just finding every opportunity to be like, oh, ooh, why am I tired? Why am I hungry? Mm, cause it, could, could it be because I had sex last night? Oh, jeez. And so that's Raj's whole fucking deal, the whole episode. But with the engagement, uh, Leonard broaches the subject with Sheldon of, hey... What if I want to move in with Penny and we don't live with you? And, you know, Sheldon kind of very characteristically just can't even accept that as a possibility. Also, Sheldon has his own personal struggle where even though he has decided he no longer wants to study string theory uh, because of university grant restrictions and whatnot, uh, he has to if he's going to keep his job there. And... Amy also, I think at one point, suggests that they move in together, and that too is just preposterous to him, which is one of the things that I think he really, like, rubbing salt in uh, Stuart, the comic guy's wounds, is being like, oh, you think you're having a bad day? My girlfriend loves me so much that she wants me to move in with her. Ugh! Uh, I thought that part was actually kind of funny. And um, so all of this leads to Sheldon kind of not really throwing a fit, I guess, but he storms out of the apartment and goes to a uh, train station. And he's just going on an ambiguous train journey uh, to no particular destination. And he's just going gonna... to wander the earth like Kane and Kung Fu. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's so much more romantic when you put it that way. Because, like, the way it feels in the episode is, like, you know, I... Maybe he's going home to Texas. They never in any way suggest that. That's just like the only other place I can think of him going. But yeah, it's they he considers being like a, a, a railroad hobo, except he hates everything about the hobo life, but he's still just gonna, yeah, just wander, I guess. And it ends with Amy being, you know, devastated and everyone's heads back in 2014 completely exploding because they're like how could the show go on without sheldon this is impossible i'm five um yeah i don't know anything else about the actual plot or whatever that we should squeeze in about like the actual no i think you covered all of the major plot points of the episode well then what the hell else there was a bit that you didn't cover which is about um leonard telling his mother that he's right yes and that again whenever leonard's mother shows up it's usually to me at least one of the funniest parts of the episode she's great and in this case it did not disappoint because first off the implication remains that uh leonard's mom just likes sheldon so much more than she likes leonard uh including saying you know i wasn't sure about penny but if it's good enough for uh sheldon if then it's good enough for me but my favorite part of all of that is he's, she's like, do you really, does it really matter to you that much that your mother approves of the woman that you're marrying? And he goes, yeah, I think it does. 
She looks at me and goes, well, you should work on that. It's just so brutal. She I laughed rules. out loud. Oh, okay. I had to look up her name because I was like, I finally have connected her to other things she's in. It's uh, Christine Baranski plays the mom. She was on uh, Just Shoot Me, wasn't she? I didn't really watch much of that show. I couldn't tell you. But yeah, sure. Sure she is. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's... Aside from Sheldon going on his little adventure, like, the engagement and setup to marriage doesn't feel particularly climactic. Like, I was... No, I no, was it's very clear that they're going to stretch that out for at least a whole season. I was genuinely I surprised. Oh, yeah, absolutely they will. Um, but when the last episode wasn't the final episode, I was shocked. And this one does not... Yeah, I don't know. Like, this doesn't feel like a substantive complaint. I don't really actually give a shit. It just doesn't feel like a climax at all. And so... But it wasn't bad. Like, I think between this episode and the last one, I enjoyed this one more overall. Even though Raj is being kind of a you know dildo trying to rub it in everyone's faces that he's having sex, it's also the 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 most pleasant he's been uh, in a long time because he's not just whining and begging or being you know harassed by his friends for race based reasons. Also, I noticed at the beginning. I think Kaylee Cuoco must have got married around this time. She had a hyphenated name in the credits. I'm too lazy to look into that. I don't know. Kyle, any other thoughts on this thingy? Uh, mm. yeah. uh, nope. Feels... Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. I guess watching Sheldon uh, try to deal with change is interesting, but it's also like as if the show like isn't going to be very much near the same status quo next year is also funny like i do believe they'll probably change the situation so that uh sheldon ends up living with amy and penny ends up living with leonard although it would be funny if it ended up with penny and sheldon and leonard all living together somehow so that's also a possibility that would be ideal i don't think it's gonna work out that way i'm just waiting for fucking sheldon and amy to move in together but I would want that. Oh, oh my gosh. Also, I was just uh, clicking around on this wiki here. And uh, so the actor who plays the voice of Walla with his mom, her name is Carol Ann Susie. She dies the same year as this season. What will she sound like in season eight? Will her ghost be part of the set? That's interesting. I didn't know. I wonder, do you suppose that this whole... Is Stuart going to kill her? I mean, that would be also funny. Or what if what if she dies and she leaves all of her money to Stuart? And, I mean, I don't know how much money there really is, but wouldn't it be funny if there was money or even the house and she died and left it all to Stuart and that's how he's able to reopen his comic book shop? Oh, man. this gets nothing. This Stuart side project just gets better and better. Yeah, like, oh, God damn it. God, ooh. If he ah. Black Widow's Wallowitz... Yeah, all right. I I want to entertain this, but I also don't want to think about things I'd much rather be doing than watching the show that we still got five years left of. We're getting there, though. We're making good progress. Uh, but yeah, well, I was actually, is do you suppose the whole the mom is sick subplot was just a way to slowly uh, write her out of the show? 
I don't know. I hadn't considered it at all, but it's... I can imagine them just getting another voice actor to do it, but yeah, maybe... I hope there's going to be... I I genuinely don't know anything about the next few seasons other than assumptions about who's getting married. It does seem like Bernadette does a pretty good impression. It would be funny if she ended up playing both roles. That would be cool. Funny. Uh, I also... I want Stuart to... Yeah, somehow accidentally, negligently kill Wallowitz's mom, and then they all just have to kind of deal with that, that she died. It was under, let's say, clumsy circumstances, but can Stuart really be held accountable? They hired him. They know what Stuart's like. He he was hired among, you know, mysterious circumstances in the comic book shop, and yet they trusted him anyway. Ooh, ooh. <sighs> all right, let's talk about anything else. Well, I don't know. Anything else about the episode you want to get into, or should we just like start talking about things we like? Yeah, let's just talk about things we like. Okay, so I've got two, maybe even three. I'm going to go 1.5 today, but I'm ready. Should I go first, or should you? No, go ahead. Okay, so my point five, which is only because I haven't finished it yet, I'm currently playing Final Fantasy Stranger of Paradise, which is a stupid title. It's a stupid game. And it rules. <laughs> it's it's like this weird retelling of the very first Final Fantasy game. And it's not doing it in like a really on-the-nose fan service way, which is actually what I was expecting and what I was initially kind of giddy about when I started playing it. And like I said, I'm not done with it yet, but it's very clear that there is some sort of bigger, weirder plot being infused that has all of these banana sci-fi elements about needing to manipulate this dimension and bringing in all these landmarks from other... I don't know. It doesn't matter. What really does matter is that you play as Jack. You don't give a shit about anything other than destroying chaos. And that is pretty literal. It's not like that's his number one priority. No. Like... He will interrupt boss monster speeches to say, Shut the fuck up! I just want to know where chaos is! And I'm like, thank you for cutting it short, Jack. Because another thing that I'm actually, I'm genuinely liking about this game is does it have just complete fucking bananas, nonsense cutscenes? Yes. But they are sparing. They are brief. I, it's, it is absolutely an action game. Like, it is barely... It has, like, the tiny RPG elements but is through and through like a Team Ninja action game, and it's stupid, and it's fun, um, and so actually loving. It's it's not, it's, kind of, it's not good. It like runs like shit on the PS4. It's actually kind of shocking, um, but it's still, I'm having a good time. Um, and then the thing I'll actually recommend, which I kind of forgot about until like 30 seconds before we were going to get into this, is I saw, without knowing anything about it, going in completely blind, I saw Poor Things the other night. Kyle, have you seen Poor Things? I've heard good things about it, but I haven't watched it. It's it's pretty great. I'm not going to say much about it, because it's hard to get too far into the plot, I think, without... I don't even know what's in the trailers, and so I don't want to risk spoiling anything. Um, but the basics are that uh, Emma Stone goes on a wonderful... Uh, surprisingly frankly horny adventure uh as as part of her having just a weird weird kind of brain 
and Willem Dafoe is uh, a, a professor uh, that does uh, surgery. You know, he's a doctor. And also he has a crazy grafted up face, uh, but is also the most chill, uh, spooky, scientifically curious guy you could imagine. Uh, he He's, you know, someone who is at the... As, as charming as he is, also someone who wants to push aside all of his feelings for the sake of science. And I think the most of the plot I could describe is that Bella and her weird brain live with Willem Dafoe, the monster professor. And Willem Dafoe hires one of his students to come and observe and take notes on uh, Bella's behaviors. And at some point, Mark Ruffalo shows up being just the absolute fucking best. Like, Emma Stone is wonderful in this movie, but Mark Ruffalo just fucking kills it. He plays a uh, shady, charming, horny lawyer who takes Bella on a, 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 a across the sea a, a west, a, through Western Europe uh, on, a, on a bizarre sexual adventure and the only other thing I'll say for now I guess is that stylistically the movie is intense and I mean this in, like in a good way it's not overwhelming or anything but um, scenes have a lot of like really bright almost like watercolor saturated colors in them and um especially early in the movie that also shifts back and forth a lot between starkly black and white scenes which uh i think are fun because you know they're creating some obvious sort of juxtaposition there that they're not bothering to explain at first and so it's like oh man like you know this works in in both the cartoon colors and the black and white, but why are we doing this? And then later, it mostly stays in color. But also, it's just, it's, Kyle, it's just so fucking weird. And like, I mean, like, in a great way. Like, it's, I didn't know anything. It's, like I said, it's, it's, there. there's so much just regular old fucking and talking about fucking and how great it is that I just wouldn't have expected to make it into any big modern movie. Again, Mark Much Ruffalo. less with like a darling like Emma Stone, you know, to think she went from uh, whatever that terrible Hollywood movie was to this. Good for her. Oh, yeah. God damn it. Um, La La Land. That's, oh, you know, you've broken the spell of poor things on me and I'm, I'm, I'm ready for you, except I have to say I've never finished La La Land. I was watching it with my friend Jim and I don't remember what point we were, but, um, I think it was like an hour in and I was like, Hey, does the plot ever start in this movie? <laughs> and he's like, Oh, we're just getting to the beginning of the plot. And I'm like, no, I'm done. I'm out. I'm sorry. So I have to give it another try. Cause everyone fucking no, loves don't. that movie. I don't. I don't love it. I should finish it at Damien least. Damien Chazelle has managed to make like one good movie in his career. And that is wild considering like he, you know, Everybody talked about him like he was the savior of Hollywood, but 
you know, Man on the Moon was merely okay. La La Land was terrible. Whiplash, which was his first one, is still easily his best movie. And even that is a very gimmicky film that relies a lot more on uh, Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons' performance than anything that Damien Chazelle ever contributed. That's right, I'm calling you out, Chazelle. Um, it's 2024, you know, Nick. I don't know if you know this, but this is the year of just violently calling people out. Oh, uh, I thought maybe specifically Damien Chazelle, but yeah, fuck everyone else too. No, do you know about Cat Williams? Did you hear about this? Oh, yes, yeah. So I don't know the full breadth of it, but I've I've seen little snippets of who he's called out and all these big comedians being like, "Where the fuck did that come from? What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess I have to have beef with Cat Williams now." <laughs> yeah, it's wild. It's kind of fun. Yeah, no, I, I I don't know if there are genuine issues out there in the comedy world and, you know, people up in arms or whatever, but yeah, do your thing, cat. It was I that ruled. Oh, and I remember the other thing I was gonna think about talking about, but I'm not going to. I messaged you the other night, I, I rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that movie still kicks ass. Yeah. I think I, I haven't seen it since it came out, and I think I liked it even more this time so um that said kyle please your yeah, turn I, I remember the first time we watched it you were you you didn't hate it but you were like you know like that was merely okay and i was like no no that was beautiful so i'm glad you're well th- thank you for reminding me of that because i i couldn't really remember how i felt about it first time but yeah seeing it the other it. night thought i it loved was it good but you didn't like you weren't over the moon stupid me no. hey always learning always growing always a disappointment oh jesus I'm kidding. I'm sorry. That was so mean. We can't take it back. It's You're out great. there now. We love you. You're, everything's okay. Better um, to talk about something you enjoy before I go into the hole. Jesus. I guess my final thing would be... Uh, oh, fuck. I just forgot it. Oh, oh, no. Vamp, 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 vamp. No, I'm going to... This one's going to be short. Uh, you know, I'm always looking at different various uh, tabletop RPGs, you know, Dungeons & Dragons-style RPGs, and I recommend them from time to time. And my obsession this week is a game called Mouse Ritter. Mouse Ritter? Mouse Ritter. I think it was originally created in Germany, which is why it's called that. But Yeah, uh, <laughs> it would have to have been. <laughs> but it's not... A, I mean, it's it's been translated into English, and I think it's actually an adaptation... It's a reskin of um of a game system called Into the Odd. So Into the Odd was, you know, an exploration combat system that, you know, changed a couple of things from old school Dungeons and Dragons. Mainly just like fewer stats and easier to like track combat and make skill checks. And famously you don't have an armor class. You just like it's assumed that all attack hit. All attacks hit. So really every fight is just you like whittling down your opponent and being whittled down yourself until you know one somebody's dead it's so there are it's interesting and maybe a bad idea a lot of the time to get into (laughs) combat um which places the emphasis on exploration and feeling vulnerable in a big scary world so somebody took that and basically was like that but with teeny tiny little mice that was the whole that was the whole so in mouse ritter you know, you're still basically like D&D tropes. You can be like a wizard or a fighter, but you're a tiny little mouse, you know, in, you know, a slightly fantasied up version of the real world, essentially, or a different, it depends on the setting, but you can be in like a nature setting 
or there's a whole setting called the estate which is basically like mice living under the floor of a big house that has like you know an evil cat and stuff like that in it Mm. and it's fun it's whimsical and charming yet still challenging and uh one of the many thousands of games i would recommend people play instead of fifth edition dungeons and dragons damn 2024 call out and again, it is Mouse Ritter. Mouse Ritter. M A U S R I T T E R. Do you have an idea what that means? I feel. I, I, I understand the mouse part. I can't remember what the hell Ritter would mean. Uh, let's see here. Doing our research live. Mouse Ritter. Oh, Ritter means knight, so it's Mouse Knight. Aww. Cute little mouse knights. Well, Kyle. Once again, I've done absolutely nothing to prepare us for or to otherwise remark on the end of another season of this oh, adventure right. we've been we're on. So ba- we're well over halfway, and we still have no fucking idea what we're doing or how to do it, do we? No. we or just any keep... desire to put in that level of effort. Absolutely not. No, we just keep doing it. Thank you, thank you to everyone who continues to listen to us when we ourselves don't know. Yeah, you fucking freaks. I mean, it's really appreciated because, you know, you know that is a weird thing. Is that, um, you know, unlike successful podcasts that really do what they need to develop a fan base and engage with that, I just know that there are is some consistent frustratingly consistent number of people out there who continue to listen to these episodes. I, I, I am personally familiar with two of them. Uh, and so, yeah, other than that, this is just an exercise in friendship for Kyle and I. Uh, but for, yeah, you fucking weird beards that do listen to this, thank you very much. It is, that's delightful. Yes, and if you would like to uh, pay Nick to continue to do this, uh, his Venmo is at Hide Thoughts. It's true. You know what? I keep waiting for at least a funny payment to come in, and that's where I'm disappointed, I am going to say. This is yeah. my 2024 Can't call out. Can't send him $0.69. Cents. Any, any funny amount of money, please. Like, this is not me begging I mean, for money because I need it. $0.20 is a lot. I get it. Yeah, I just want something silly, okay? You have the info. Send me a silly amount of money. Maybe, maybe that's how we get fundraised from now on. Only silly amounts of money. 2024. <laughs>